Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. Last week, we started a series in uh, the book of Zechariah. But really quick, now that we're past Christmas, uh, I wanted to really quick and granted... Um, I know this may sound a little bit selfish, but I wanted to talk a little bit about one of the favorite parts of Christmas, and that's the presents, because everyone loves presents, right? I know it's all about Jesus, but yes, uh, we all love presents. But I wanted to ask, um, how many people, what's a good way to word this so I don't sound like a jerk, uh, how many people enjoy giving presents to other people? Yeah, good, okay. How many people enjoy getting presents from other people? Okay, good. So I thought it was just me. And I was just saying, how many people, if you enjoy giving presents, um, are you like really conscious to make sure the presents that you give are ones that people would appreciate? You take the time and you make sure, oh, this is for this person. You make sure it's something they would appreciate. This is for this person. Or, because there are those of us, like me, who's like, I think they'll like this. I don't know. I'm just going to give it to them anyway. And, and, and there you go. You just hope they like it. Now, here's a question. Don't raise your hand at this because, you know, you might be next to someone. How many people got a Christmas gift that they were like, what in the ham sandwich am I supposed to do with this? Like, what were they thinking? Like, do they not know me at all? Like, where, where, what are we going to do with this? Because a lot of us sometimes when we give gifts, like my thinking is I want to give them something that... I think they'll enjoy, but sometimes it doesn't work out that way, because they don't. Um, I gave Christy a Christmas gift. I didn't know if she enjoyed it, so for literally weeks before Christmas, I was like, you're going to love this, you're going to love this, building it up, and she was like, it's okay. It's, it's, it's all right, okay, I'm, I'm going to warm up to it, and I was like, that's okay. Eventually, as you, you're going to like, this is like the best gift ever, that she's going to love it. And the reason I bring this up is because nobody wants to give a gift to someone that they're like, this is useless. Why do you keep giving this to me, right? Nobody wants to give a gift to someone that they're like, I, I, I'm just going to throw this away. Or the next holiday, you ended up giving back to them because you even forgot that they give it to you, so you re-gift it, right? So what most of us do when it comes to giving gifts, ooh, sorry, what most of us do is we will give gift cards. Anyone give gift cards as Christmas gifts? Yeah. Can't go wrong, restaurant, store, whatever. Uh, my mother-in-law, she doesn't watch this, so I can talk about her in a good way. Um, she gave me an Amazon gift card, and I heard her on the phone with Christy. She was asking Christy, um, hey, what can I get Floyd for a gift? And she said, should I just get him something from his Amazon wish list, which is where I put, oh, here's all the things I would love to have you know, the things that you wish you could buy for yourself, you put them in a wish list. And when I heard her say that, I was like, no, 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 please don't let her look in my wish list. Not that there's anything weird or unbiblical in my wish list, but there's some geeky stuff, because that's kind of like who I am. And my thought was, if she looks at that stuff, she's probably going to think, why did we ever let Christy marry him? Because there's, what, what kind of grown man has this stuff in his wish list. Now, before you guys, um, first of all, don't judge me, okay? 
but I want to show you the thing that I had in my wish list. It was like at the top of my wish list. It's not going to make sense to you, right? So I'm going to show you. I'm going to give you a second to breathe it in. Then I need to explain it so you don't walk out of here thinking I need to go to another church because something's wrong with him, All right? So, um, and most of you may not know what it is anyway. So in my wish list, there is this gift box with green lantern rings. And I know some of you are like, I, I have no idea what this is. It's a superhero thing. It's a comic book thing. It's also like a young kid toy thing. But for me, it was like, oh my gosh, I have to have this. Because not only, and I know, give me a second, just let the judgment wash over you for a minute. There's not only, there's this superhero called Green Lantern. He has this ring. When he uses the ring, he can create anything his mind can imagine. And it's green. But then they expanded it and made like uh, orange lantern, yellow lantern, white lantern, blue lantern, indigo, all these lanterns. And then they created this little gift box of rings. And I was like, I have to have that. So I put it in my Amazon wish list. But even when Christy was telling her mom, I was like, I don't want her to think there's anything weird in there. But after Christy hung up, I explained to Christy, like, here's what's in the, my Amazon wish list, this box with the, the green lantern rings. And Christy was like, yeah, we, we shouldn't tell anybody else about that. We don't, we just, just, just leave that to yourself, right? Now, here's the thing. She gave me an Amazon gift card, and I was going to buy all of the rings, like the, 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 the whole gift set. Instead, I was like, that might be a little bit overkill, so I just bought the green lantern ring, the one in the middle, which I have on now. This is my middle finger up, by the way, just the middle. I mean, not my middle finger, sorry. Pinky finger up, which I have on now. And actually, um, when I was coming down the hill down here this morning, I slipped, fell, ring went flying off into the snow somewhere. And I was telling the band, I was like, I'm a little bit mad this morning because my butt's wet, my ring's gone. This is not a good Sunday morning. But went back out there, found the ring. But um, this is one of the things that I was like, ah, if I told her, get this for me, she would not, not understand it. But it's one of the things that like, oh, this will be perfect for me because I know me, right? And the idea is that um, uh, the only reason I tell you this story is because I just love the ring. It has nothing to do with the message today. Absolutely. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the only reason I tell you this is because most of us, when we give gifts or do things for people, we want to give gifts that people appreciate, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want to give gifts where they're like, okay, why do you keep doing this? Why are you wasting your time? Most importantly, we don't want to give gifts where we're wasting our time and our money, right? If you're wasting your money getting something for someone that time after time they don't appreciate, it's like, what's the point, right? And the same is true of God. Because when we started the series on, on Zechariah, which we'll talk about in a minute, uh, God ends up telling the people of Israel in that day, he's like, hey, the things that you're doing that you think you're giving me worship, you think you're doing for me, you think I appreciate, they're useless. I don't like them. I don't want them. And you need to do something else. He tells them, hey, don't keep doing those things because they're not. Those are the things that got you in trouble in the first place. I've already told you, I don't accept that. I don't want that. And they get to a point where now they're in a different place. And they're getting ready to create this worship system again. And God tells them, hey, I don't want you to make the same mistake that got you in trouble in the first place. 
you need to do something different. You need to do something better than what you did before. So if you have a Bible, open it up to the book of Zechariah chapter 1. We're actually going to jump back to the beginning. We touched on it a little bit last week. And if you don't have a Bible, there's one under the chair, left, right of you, or somewhere. And in Zechariah chapter 1, Zechariah is the next to last book before you get to the New Testament. So if you start Matthew and go back to uh, Malachi, and then you'll hit Zechariah. And Zechariah chapter 1, and we touched on some of these last week, so uh, I wanted to expand on them a little bit. Zechariah chapter 1, here's what it says. In the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, the son of Edo. Now, this is important because we just finished a series on Esther, and this actually ties in with the book of Esther, right? This is about, I think, about 40 years before the book of Esther takes place, right? And so Zechariah... Uh, is called by God. He was born in captivity in Babylon. Uh, he's both a priest, a priest and a prophet, a priest, so he's of the Levitical uh, clan, but he's also a prophet, and he was a contemporary of the prophet Haggai. Now, years ago, I think we went through the, uh, the book of Haggai, but really quick, stay in Zechariah, because, uh, and it's important that you note, in the very first verse, it says, in the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah. When you go to the book of Haggai, or Haggai as some pronounce it, it says, in the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month. So this is just like two months prior. And it's important because if God is telling the same people, or different people, go tell the Israelites the same thing, then maybe, you know, they ought to take notice. So on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jazadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. And the reason he's saying this is because it was about 20 years prior that they were sent to Judah with one job, rebuild the temple, reestablish worship in the city that they were expelled from. God's like, it's time to go back. You have one job, rebuild the temple and establish worship. But instead, uh, he says this, then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? What they did is they went back, they started working on their houses, they started building up their businesses, they started laying out their farms, they started having families, and 20 years went by without them doing the one job that God had called them to do. So God sends the prophet Haggai to say, hey, you guys need to get to work on doing the one thing I sent you here to do. And then a couple of months later, he sends Zechariah, and dropped out to Zechariah chapter 1, verse 2, says, the Lord was very angry with your forefathers. Therefore, tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says, return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. And we talked about this last week, that the theme of the book of Zechariah has two overarching themes. The first is a call to the people of God to return to God. He's telling the people on that day, you need to get back to doing the thing that I called you to do. You need to get back to putting me first. And we said for us today, 
We're not called to go build the temple, but we're called to go build God's kingdom, to share the gospel with people in our circle of influence. And we need to get back to doing what God has called us to do. Uh, the next couple of chapters, I think it's chapter 8 through the end, or 9 through the end of Zechariah, uh, the theme is to look to the Messiah. Because the reason God has them go and reestablish the temple and reestablish the worship is they're laying the foundation for when Jesus would come, but because they didn't focus on it, they missed it. For us, it's not to look to the Messiah, but to lay the foundation for his return by sharing the gospel with people within our circles of influence. Go over to verse 4. It says, Do not be like your forefathers, to whom the earlier prophets proclaimed, This is what the Lord Almighty says. Turn from your evil ways and your evil practices. But they would not listen or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Where are your forefathers now? And the prophets, do they live forever? This is important because he says, hey, I told your forefathers, here's what you're supposed to do. They didn't listen. And because they didn't listen, here are the consequences of their actions. And he's telling them, you don't need to be like them because if you do the same thing that they did, then you'll yield the same consequences that they did. And this is the question that we in the church, we kind of have to ask today because we have to say, hey, are the practices and programs that we keep doing in the church, are they working? Are they, are they accomplishing the thing that God has called us to do? And we talked about this last week. We said that if you're a Christian, when you start out, you, you step across the line of faith and we're all in the same place, but then we're all moving along this track that eventually takes us to what Paul describes in Ephesians chapter 4, that the church, at God, Christ himself, he gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers, and he gave them to equip his people for works of service. And the reason he did is so that the body of Christ would be built up. And we're supposed to keep doing that until we all together reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. So the question we have to ask is, hey, uh, uh, there's, we have churches, buildings, we have programs, but are those things allowing all of us to be built up? When you think about the church today, do you think about unity? Like, it doesn't matter what church you go to, Presbyterian, uh, Catholic, uh, Lutheran, uh, United Methodist, do you think, oh, we all have the same message and unity, or do you think disunity and division, which is what's predominant in the church today? It's just like if you're driving somewhere and, and, and your GPS says, hey, you're going in the wrong direction, what do you do? You turn around, you make adjustments, you recalibrate, recalculate to go to the right place. And the thing that we have to ask is, are the things that we did, just like he said, hey, don't do what your forefathers did, are the things that we've done in the past moving us in the direction that God wants us to go to, are the things that we're doing building us up? Are they building up unity in the faith? Are they bringing the body of Christ to knowledge in the Son of God and making us mature Christians? I mean, because we've got uh, buildings everywhere, right? I mean, someone plants a church, they ask the first thing they think is we got to get a building. We have all kinds of programs 
We have some where people are flocking into the churches, but nowhere does he say, I want people to flock into your buildings. He says, I want them to grow, to be spiritually mature, to be unified in the knowledge of who he is. And it doesn't seem like all the things that we've been doing in the past are bringing us to that place. Jump over to verse 6. And he says this, but did not my words and my decrees, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, overtake your forefathers? Then they repented and said, the Lord Almighty has done to us what our ways and practices deserve, just as he determined to do. He says they weren't doing what they were supposed to do. Uh, they got the consequences that they deserved. And this is kind of where we are today. Are we going to keep doing what didn't work? Right? Yeah, let's just do more programs. Uh, try to get more people into the building. And I see, and I'm, I'm not judging the church. I love the body of Christ. I love the church. But I feel like we're missing the point because all that we keep seeing and all that we keep doing is trying to figure out how do we get more people into the building. That's what everyone is focused on. And getting more people into the building hasn't helped us reach unity in the faith or has it helped us become mature, or has it helped us be more knowledgeable about who Christ is? Because if it did, we wouldn't be so divided. So we have to ask, are we going to do things differently, or are we going to keep doing the same things that kind of led to this division? Now, uh, let me share this. Mark and I, uh, Mark Berkshire and I, we do a, a podcast called Faith Responders, and these are the questions, uh, and I think the next episode, if it's not out today, it should be out tomorrow. It depends on how iTunes does all this stuff. But the, um, these are the questions that we were talking about on the podcast. Like, what does the church, the body of Christ, not crossroads, not whatever, just the body of Christ, what do we need to do differently in 2022 so that we can, you know, be doing and moving towards the goal that God has us moving towards? being more mature, being more unified, being equipped to do the service and things that he has called us to do. Uh, so we asked these questions first. 2022, what are the things that the church needs to do differently? They, they need to do some things differently, and we, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but there's also something that the church needs to talk about from the pulpit. Like sometimes you guys have, and, and, and I've done this, you know, when my kids were small, I was like, hey, time to call a family meeting, you know, because we've, we've got some stuff we've got to talk about that's going to impact our family, and how are we going to address it? And so there's some things that the church needs to, you know, call a family meeting and from the pulpit say, hey, here, here's what's going on, how we're going to address it. But also there's something that the church needs to openly address, not just in a family meeting, but publicly proclaim, hey, this is, this is what's going on, and this is where the church stands. So Mark and I, we kind of came up with these things, and they tied in directly with um, what we're talking about today. Uh, so I wanted to share them quickly. First, one of the things we need to do differently is preach the word and live it out, right? And I know that you say, oh, well, that makes sense, but there's a lot of congregations, a lot of pastors, a lot of denominations that they don't preach the Bible. And for me, I'm like, well, why do you call yourself a church if you're not going to preach what Christ said 
and teach and equip your people to live like God calls us to do. Because God does call us to live differently. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, appeal to you and beg you to walk or lead a life worthy of the divine calling to which you have been called. With behavior that is a credit to the summons to God's service. Paul says, I am begging you that you live your life in a way that looks like you were called to be a Christ follower. And it's not saying that, hey, we're better than someone who isn't, but we definitely should be different then. There should be a difference between a Holy Spirit-filled Christ follower and someone who isn't and the way they live their life. If their lives and the way they treat people, the way they respond to things, the way they interact look exactly the same, then one of them isn't really who they're saying to be. If they look exactly the same. If I am treating people the way that other people treat people instead of the way that Christ treats people, then that's the issue. But he also says this. He says, living as becomes you with complete. And these, these things that he lists, these are literally the fruit of the Spirit listed in Galatians. Humility, meekness, unselfishness, gentleness, mildness, patience, bearing with one another and making allowances because you love one another. He says, hey, the way that we uh, live our lives, it should reflect the fruit of the Spirit, which is why we've been doing this 21-day spiritual renewal so we are able to more be in tune with what God's Spirit is telling us to do, how to live, how to act, right? So uh, definitely, he says, be eager, strive earnestly to guard and keep the harmony and oneness and produced by the Spirit. So not only are we supposed to live that way, we're supposed to strive to keep that unity that he was talking about, that, that unity that we're all trying to reach. We're supposed to guard that and strive to keep that, and it's done by the Holy Spirit. Again, why we're focusing on spiritual renewal. Uh, so definitely, uh, things that the church needs to do differently preach the word of God. We need to live it out. But there's also some stuff that we need to talk about, like make sure we're all the body of Christ, that we're all on the same page. Um, and this was a big thing that Mark brought up, and I, I actually had to change what I said because it made so much sense. He said, we need to talk about being there for one another, especially so that we can all continue the mission because again, we're all supposed to reach unity. And one of the things he brought up is when it comes to like mental health issues and addictions, the church tends to ignore people that they think don't look like the perfect picture of what a Christian should be. And that's really sad. And I couldn't disagree with them because he's seen it and I've seen it uh, where people do that, where uh, we tend to leave people behind who don't fit into a preconceived notion of what a Christ follower is supposed to be. When there are people who are dealing with addictions, people who are dealing with mental health issues, people who are dealing with, uh, you know, uh, uh, poverty issues, then the church tends to be like, oh, well, you know what, maybe this isn't the place for you, rather than embracing them. Right? And what Paul actually says in Galatians uh, chapter 6, he says, If any person is overtaken in misconduct or sin of any sort, you who are spiritual, and again, who are responsive to and controlled by the Spirit, set him right 
and restore and reinstate him without any sense of superiority. And with all gentleness, keep an attentive eye on yourself, lest you should be tempted also. And he says this, he says, bear, endure, carry one another's burdens and troublesome moral faults, and in this way fulfill and observe the law of Christ. And the law of Christ is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. So what he's saying is, hey, uh, when we are going along on this journey, if someone ends up falling by the wayside because of sin, or if someone comes on the journey, but they bring baggage, we're not supposed to leave them behind. We're supposed to help them because, again, we're all trying to get to the same place and we all want to get there together. But the problem is what the church usually does is they ignore those people who have baggage, who have issues, or who have struggles. I saw this picture and uh, it kind of hurt my heart, but I wanted to share it because it's so true, unfortunately, that someone posted online. It says, Jesus spent most of his time with the type of people that most Christians these days don't want in their church. Read that again. Jesus spent most of his time with the type of people that most Christians these days don't want in their church. The people who, who have issues, the people who have struggles, the people who are dealing with addictions, the people who are dealing with homelessness, the people who are dealing with mental health issues, the people who are dealing with poverty, the people who are dealing with uh, maybe joblessness or, or maybe whatever it is. And I know that sounds sad, but that's the reality. Let me, let me share this because uh, um, I, I, I think I shared this a while ago. If I didn't, uh, there's a lady who reached out to me and said, hey, she was writing a book called Pandemic Devotionals. Uh, and she asked me if I would be one of the people that contributed to it. And um, I know, shameless plug. But uh, one of the things that I contributed, my little chapter, I think there were 40, 40 different authors we contributed to, Where Was God During the Pandemic? And it's talking about the ways that God showed up in amazing ways throughout the pandemic. And one of the things that I wrote, my little like four-page part, was about the fact that, I know, I always talk about TikTok too much, but I was amazed because... What I found on TikTok and what drew me to it was the fact that there were people who were previously, they called themselves witches, people who were previously in the cult, in the occult, uh, people who were previously burdened with addictions, alcoholism, meth, uh, uh, people who uh, were former, like, you know, literally murders and robbers who got saved because someone didn't leave them behind, but walked alongside them in their journey, led them to Christ, and they were so empowered that they spent like crazy amounts of time sharing the gospel and leading other people to Christ. And I was like, hey, this is, this, this is what the church is supposed to be about. We don't leave those people behind. We come alongside them. We help them. And then God uses them. But the problem is, in the church today, most churches are like, we don't want them there. And I heard this story before, and then after I heard the story, I actually talked to several pastors who said, yes, this is what, like, not just online, verbally, local pastors who said, yes, this is what happened to me. We have um, 
the Jefferson Hospital hosts their Wednesday night AA meetings here. 8 p.m. Wednesday night. If you know of anyone that wants to come to the AA meeting, they're welcome to come. There were other local pastors, not necessarily with the Jefferson Hospital one, but who brought up the idea to their congregation, hey, we have a facility. There's several days of the week. It's empty. Why don't we host some AA meetings? And the congregation said, we don't want those kind of people here. And I'm like, what if they walked in on Sunday morning? Would you tell them the same thing? That, that's not what we're supposed to do. Those are the people who you want to reach, who you want to let know that, yeah, that Jesus Christ died for you. He loves you as well. He came to set the captives free, your burdens, everything can be healed. But the church says, ah, we don't want those kind of people here. And we have to ask the question, is that helping us reach all, reach maturity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God? And I would say, no, it's not. So definitely, uh, those are some of the things that we need to talk about, right? How we address those things. But one of the things that we definitely need to openly address, and I think this was all Mark, and he hit the nail on the head with this. We need to address the fact that sin is still sin, right? God doesn't tolerate it, and neither should the church. What has happened today is that the church has looked at some issues and said, well, that may be a sin issue, but now it's a social justice issue, so it's okay. And nowhere does God say that in his word. From beginning to end, he says sin is sin, uh, and, and uh, we have to openly discuss the fact that God doesn't tolerate neither does the church. But in the book of Romans, Paul says the wages of sin or wages which sin pays, is death. And death doesn't just mean death like your body is lifeless. It also means separation from God. But the bountiful free gift of God is eternal life. The union with Jesus Christ our Lord. These are the kind of things that we need to figure out. How are we going to deal with these going forward? These are the kind of things that are stopping us from all reaching maturity in the faith together. And these are the kind of things where because we've strayed from them, we're going in different directions than the direction that God wants to take us to. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand. We were going to sing, but I'm just going to close with a time of prayer because I want to pray for our local congregations. God, we lift up the body of Christ to you. We pray that through, again, as your word says, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would be attentive to the things that we need to do differently. That we would be attentive to the fact that we need to preach your word, but attentive to the fact that we also need to live it out. We pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, we would be attentive to the things that we need to talk about of how we uh, ignore certain people and leave them behind when you've called us to embrace them and love them and bring them along with us so that we all might reach unity in the faith. And God, we know that because of the diverseness of the body of Christ, 
that it might be difficult to address, but we need to openly address and proclaim and take a stand on the fact that what you call sin is sin. We need to take a stand on it, but we also need to not judge people who are struggling in those sins or dealing with those sins. But to show up and to love them and encourage them and support them. And as your word says, those of us who are filled with your spirit to help them through it. God, we pray that as we move forward this year, that your church would be your church, not an American church, not a denominational church, not a Baptist church, not a United Methodist church, but the people who are filled with your Holy Spirit and called by your name would be your people. And that we would do what you have called uh, us to do, get back to the one task that you left us here for, sharing and showing the love of Christ, the people in our circles of influence. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.